So it's seven hundred fifty. Got a nice, uh, got a nice round, not round number, even number, whatever the hell it is. Lieutenant oh, Colonel Bernie Flowers, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. You are running for Congress out of uh, this great state of Maryland, and you have a rather impressive resume. NSA, U.S. Cyber, uh, Cybercom, Cyber, you know, Cyber Command, Mister Flowers, Bernie. So I don't butcher this. Could you please introduce yourself to my audience and tell them exactly who you are, what you're running for, and what your background is? Tommy, um, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, this is an honor. This is my first podcast, and um, I um, have listened to your podcast before, and also, you know, Rogan and the rest of those guys. Truth is, that's where I get my news from. Yeah. And it's more accurate than, a lot more accurate than the mainstream media. And um, But who am I? I'm a candidate for Congress in the 2nd District of Maryland, which is northern Anne Arundel County, eastern Baltimore, eastern Baltimore County. Uh, the way they got this thing gerrymandered, uh, it is totally against conservatives, but that's another story for another time. Uh, my background, again, at 20, 21 years, uh, 20, 20 years, 7 months, and 23 days as an Air Force officer. I retired at Lieutenant Colonel. I went to Iraq. I went to Afghanistan. I went to South Korea. And I even spent some time in the Ukraine in 2003. So I've been around. I've had a pretty varied career. Uh, I spent 10 years on the floor at NSA. I helped build Cybercom. Yes, it sounds like I'm bragging, but I actually did all this stuff. You're not bragging. You're you're right up my alley. I, I, I love this stuff. I've read every, I know I'm interrupting you now, every James Bamford book about the NSA. I've read it upside down and backwards. Sorry, continue. Well, the cool thing is I've been there, done that. I'm no super soldier, no special forces Delta guy. I'm a rear with a gear kind of guy. However, I've seen a lot. I've been around a lot. I've got um, another 13 and a half years as a senior civilian at DHS and NSA, that sort of thing. So I've got a lot of time with um, senior people doing behind the, the scenes bureaucracy type stuff. I know how this military works. I know how DOD, DHS, all the big agencies, and I've been to them all. And um, I came to a point in my career back in January that I realized that I was not being as effective as an American patriot as I could be. When Mr. Biden came into office, you know, I gave him a shot, of course, like any good American. But when we did the Afghan withdrawal, I realized that we were on the wrong path. When we allowed 30, well, let's say 3,000 people are coming across the southwest border every night, tonight, and they're bringing things with them that the American people probably wouldn't be comfortable with. There's a lot of good people just want another life and want to be good Americans and, you know, meld with our culture. But there's also people bringing fentanyl. There's also people bringing illicit drugs and illegal drugs, uh, all kinds of things. And Mr. Biden cut off the power of the Border Patrol. He basically, you know, neutered them. Um, the Haitian immigrant thing, uh, I'm sure you guys all saw the pictures. A lot of people have forgotten. But there were 15,000 Haitians under a bridge just recently uh, on the southwest border. How did that happen? Well, the Biden administration, before they came in, put out the word in Central America and South America that they were going to let people through. And a lot of people didn't see that. But, you know, I had access to all kinds of different channels. So I saw that as something that I wasn't comfortable with. And also, um, I mentioned the Haitians. I mentioned the Southwest border. Um, you know, altogether, it just, we're spending an, an exorbitant amount of money um, on things that should be used right here in the United States. And as an American patriot, as a taxpayer, as a regular guy working in an extraordinary job, I realized that I couldn't take it anymore. So I resigned. I gave up all the clearances, the whole nine. I think I retired. I think my date was 14 January. Um, a, a crew of my buddies kind of encouraged me to, you know, hey, we can, we can make this congressional thing work. And there's only four or five of us, but we work like the Dickens. These guys are all volunteers and ladies. You know, my treasurer, I'm not going to mention her name. Well, her name is uh, Beth Lawson, outstanding. Hollis, um, um, <laughs> Hollis Albert, that gentleman is on the Baltimore uh, Republican Council, and he knows politics like the back of his hand. And he is my campaign manager. We're out running around doing wonderful things. And there's a few others, uh, Dr. Ray Serrano, 
and a few other folks, but we're all volunteers. We're all doing this for free out of the goodness of our heart, taking money out of our own pockets. And that's who we are. It's, um, <clears throat> I guess, so it seems to be that the, the narrative for the last two years, right. And the, and the individuals I've had on here, I think the first candidate I had on was, was Joe Kent. And the second was, was Mike Durant, who I had had on prior to that, just out of interest that, you know, he, he's the, the Blackhawk down pilot. And it's kind of led to me having on other candidates. This, this podcast is very, it's very fun for me in that sometimes I forget I have it and that I can just use it to talk to people like an author. I'd be like, man, that guy's such, you know, I love this book. And I'm like, Oh wait, I, I can just talk to him. So it's actually kind of turned into that with, I'm, I'm able to get candidates on now, you know, and as, as the platform gets larger and I can get more subscribers, I can get more people to come on. But the point of me saying all that is, is really up until up before the last couple episodes, the, the number one thing I've, I've talked to the candidates about is, you know, vaccine mandates, um, but now I, I feel like we can't really ignore the eight trillion pound elephant in the room. And it's uh, the war in Ukraine and a lot of people beating their chests, beating the war drums for escalation. And unlike Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, escalation here could literally mean the end of the world. And that sounds hyperbolic and pearl clutching. But sure, the, 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 yeah, the Cold, war, Cold War ended in 91. None of the weapons did. None of the doctrines did. It's all still there. And as much as I feel for the people in Ukraine, this doesn't mean to throw them under. I'm very blessed. I've never known hardship in my life. I've never missed a meal. I went to private Catholic school. At the same time, there's only so many wars around the world that the United States needs to take under its wing. I I don't see I don't see anything positive coming out of us trying to impose a no fly zone or to keep poking the Russian bear in the eye. And that's not a capitulation, but it's rather, I think, sanity. So we can touch back on, on COVID and other things Maryland related, but I feel like I feel like we kind of have to touch on the, the biggest one in the room is, and especially as someone that has the experience you've had, what are your thoughts on U.S. interaction, be it covert funding or be it outright escalation, with Ukraine and for future listeners today is Sunday, March 20th, 2022. Tommy, um, in your studies growing up, I'm sure you studied the Cuban Missile Crisis. A thousand times. So that issue came from the Russians wanting to put nuclear weapons on the island of Cuba, 90 miles off our coast. Generals, Presidents, President Kennedy basically said, hey, we're not doing that. And they set up a naval blockade and we came close to World War III. But those missiles were not deployed in Cuba. So let's fast forward to the 90s after the wall fell down. Uh, What we did was invited Ukraine to join NATO. Ukraine has always been a satellite of the Soviet Union. Okay, they're literally connected to the Soviet Union. And we encroached on the Soviet Union's former territory. Um, Mr. Putin is a KGB agent. I don't trust him. He's a terrible human being. But nevertheless, he's a very smart person. And he waited until Mr. Trump left office. And now he feels that there's weakness in the American system. And uh, um, we, again, pushed forward with... uh, what they call partnership for peace. We gave the Ukrainians a lot of things that would allow them to have a, um, you know, defensive capability. But we also funded weapons labs and biological weapons labs, what we call research labs. And that's like not good. We should have, uh, that's, Ukraine has always been a neutral territory, you might say. And um, poking the bear, as you say, is not a smart thing. Some of the other countries like Estonia and some of those other Balkan nations and stuff like that, that's, okay, that's one thing. But the Ukraine actually borders the Soviet Union. They consider that to be their backyard. So I liken that to um, them trying to put missiles in Cuba. Cuba is our backyard. Although they're a communist nation, uh, we still have Guantanamo. Mm -hmm. Remember, still open. Some people said that we were going to close it. 20 years ago, but that's another story for another time. 
But the issue of the day is we were poking the bear and the bear poked back. It's a terrible thing that what the uh, Ukrainian people are suffering. But we're also not getting accurate news reports out of there. And I don't trust the mainstream media. Uh, there's a lot of bad things. People are literally dying. But is it worth starting World War II? I mean, I'm sorry, World War III? Um, there's such a thing as man portable nuclear weapons, suitcase nukes. And the Russian mafia controls the Ukraine. Don't let them fool you. Um, there's neo-Nazis there. There's all kinds of bad things that Americans aren't used to. And they operate on a totally different system. Um, I could tell you, well, I don't want to get classified here, but we don't want to get too deeply involved with them. It sounds like our government has done that. Our government has funded research labs over there with um, weapons of mass destruction, biological weapons. And I believe that we should have left that alone. Um, if we can't do it on our own soil, we probably shouldn't do it. So uh, the research, we've got Fort Meade, not, I'm sorry, we're not Fort Meade. Um, there's uh, several facilities right in this local area that I probably shouldn't mention. But the bottom line is um, us putting uh, biological research facilities in a country like Ukraine, that close to the Soviet Union, is asking for trouble. And we started this about 10, 15 years ago. This yeah. isn't some recent development. We knew what we were doing, so we're not blameless here. Yeah. Biological research is one thing. I mean, we do have Fel Bel Fort Belfort. We have Fort Dietrich. Um, right, Fort yeah, Dietrich. yeah, you know, we've obviously everyone knows Operation Paperclip. We brought back all the rocket scientists. We also brought back, I believe, Dr. Kurt Bloma. We also brought back a lot of the guys from Unit 731, started by Shiro Ishii in Manchuria, the original yeah. biological. Oh, I love this stuff. And yeah. we've brought that all. Now, whether or not we want to debate the morality of developing these weapons, the reality is, is that they exist. You know, what did Truman say when the Enrico Fermi and the other scientists came in to talk to him about the hydrogen bomb, a thousand times stronger than an atomic bomb? The meeting lasted yeah. seven minutes, and Truman's final words were, can the Soviets do it? They said in a couple of years. He said, well, we have to do it. So we can get into the morality of smallpox bombs and thermonuclear weapons Regardless, the stuff's been going on before I, before both you and myself were born. I've had on here Ken Alabek, Dr. Ken Alabek, the head of Biopreparat, who defected to the United States in 1992. They're putting tularemia and cruise missiles. So none of this is new. So we can get, so it's happening here, it's happening in China, it's happening in Russia. That's just, we can pick that apart in the morality of it all day long. We should also all be holding hands and singing Kumbaya. There are some things we just have to accept as a level of these happen. Putting these biolabs on the on the ground border on the earth border not not cuba where sure missiles doesn't really matter if you're going over water or going over ground but we're putting them on the land border the united yeah. states superpower taking right. weapons putting it on smaller nation next to other big enemy that is yeah. that is the mirror of 1962 and you cannot defend on 750 episodes here i clearly love this country but rationally and like, like you said earlier putin's a terrible person rationally you cannot you cannot defend our own actions in the cuban missile crisis which i do but if you're going to defend them you rationally have to understand what russia is doing this is not a defense of russia but you have right. to look at nato encroachment you have to look at bioweapons labs along a 2000 mile or excuse me, 2,000 kilometer land border. Right. You can't expect them to act differently. If one of those uh, weapons labs fails and the wind is wrong, Russia is going to have a lot of problems that we caused. People forget Chernobyl is not in Russia. Chernobyl's in the Ukraine. And yeah. that place is a biohazard to this very day. And, um, that was, you know, it shows you that the standards over there are a little bit different. But as far as our moral responsibility, um, we should do our own. There, there are islands all over this world where you could do that biological work. Um, they want to do it and 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 hide it, and and um, they got caught up. And so now, uh, yes, I would be a little pissed off too. And um, we have been, as you say, poking the bear for quite some time, and. Um, we don't have a treaty obligation with the Ukraine. We're not obligated to go rushing in there and saving the day. And when you're talking about boots on the ground or even this no-fly zone, a no-fly zone is an act of war. Yeah. You can do that in Iraq 
if you've already secured the country. But you go trying to do that in the Ukraine, especially with the Russians having nuclear weapons. And as you said, we're talking World War Three here. Yeah. And I don't want that. No, it's it's and you're not giving. And again, I can't say this. I'm, I'm 31 years old. I have a biology degree. I also understand the uh, the complete humor at me sitting in a leather chair acting like I'm in NORAD. But at the same time, man, you can't we're not giving them an out. We're not giving Putin. We're not giving Putin an out. We're backing him into a corner, and then we're acting all surprised when he act, when he starts to act like an animal back into a corner. Not only are we acting surprised, but we're acting superior. We're in the wrong here, and we need to, you know, put. I mean, our defense contractors seem to be encouraging war, and that bothers me. Have you ever heard of uh, General Smedley Butler? I just finished a book last week on him, uh, Gangsters of Capitalism. War is a racket. War is a racket. My favorite, favorite, favorite yeah. book. Yeah. After 30 years in the Marine Corps, he realized that he was a high-paid thug for big business. Mm-hmm. And um, I discovered that book probably about five years ago, and I bought about 15 copies and gave it to all my closest friends and um, even some Marines who had barely heard of him. And uh, the bottom line is, you know, we're soldiers, but we're here to defend our country but sometimes defending our country doesn't mean going out making war on other people for big business, for Lockheed Martin and General Dynamics and Booz Allen and the rest of these people to fatten their wallets. Yeah, That's the bottom line. And war is the most profitable thing on this planet, but it's not moral. And mm-hmm. if you've ever seen someone who has experienced death from an explosion— you would understand war is nothing that you would wish on anyone. Anyone. Yeah. So we need to keep that in mind. And more importantly, there's probably about 50 small wars going on all over the world at any given time. I could give you a list, but thousands of people are dying. And why are we not concerned with those people? They're fighting all over Africa. Ever heard of Boko Haram? I know you have. You know, we didn't go in there and rescue those little girls. We're just like, hey, you know, uh, you guys need to handle that problem on your own. Yeah. We have no strategic interest. Yeah. We can't be the world's policeman anymore. Yeah. How come we didn't go in and Darfur? Darfur. There you go. There's no oil so, sands there. There's no lithium there. That's what it no is. And, and that's, that's another issue I want to talk about. Um, Libya. You can buy someone like me, a black man from Africa, thanks to Hillary Clinton, for $400 to this very day. And people don't realize that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I the, thought thought I was well-read. No, you are very well-read, but you can't read the whole world. Now, I will admit, I've had a little bit of extra access for a very, very long time, so I got a lot of intelligence. (laughs) But Hillary Clinton and Mr. Obama destabilized Libya, and it's now a failed state. And um, they know this, and we just went in there, tore the place up. I mean, let's, let's take examples of Afghanistan. 20 years ago, when we first got there, um, the Taliban were in charge. 20 years later, we left, and the Taliban are in charge. What good did we do? We made it. We made some lithium mines available for the Chinese, and then they're going to sell us electric cars. Yeah. We need to check ourselves. Yeah. Really, yeah. our government has gone too far. We got a lot of good, well-meaning people in the government, but at the senior levels, Mr. Biden has gone way too far, and we've got to stop him, or at least curtail him. Yeah, I mean, Smedley, but I was going to say Raytheon, Lockheed, or Old Smedley, United Fruit, and uh, Brown Brothers, Harriman, and uh, it's a fan. Yeah, I, I love yeah. it. He has the most, he has the best mic drop quote ever. Al Capone operated. I could give Al Capone some uh, pointers. He operated yeah. in three uh, three counties. I operated on three continents. I'm glad that you. Uh, it's well because what Smedley Butler kind of melts. It kind of melts my brain about that because I mean. We look at Eisenhower, right? He gave the speech on January 17th, 1960. That's the one we all know, the military-industrial complex. But, I mean, you look at Smedley, and it's he gave a speech 27 years prior, and the speech he was giving was about his service 30 years prior. So the military-industrial complex, although nifty and coined, it's been around for a while. And he also got, there also is a very, you know, there's a realistic view about it. I enjoy a standard of living that no one in the world in human history has ever enjoyed. I'm 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 biting the hand that's feeding me. I I live in an I am in the United States. I enjoy the 
I, I reap the benefits of empire. And that's the, I think the term is called Pax Americana. Yeah. America, but that, and that's the, that's the red pill. That's the, that's the, the dark truth is I'm able to buy an iPhone and, and have cheap gasoline and, and have food and bombs don't explode in my neighborhood. I, you know, I, as I sit here and criticize all these things that we've done, I just finished up a book on like the Dulles brothers and everything they did. And it's like, on one hand you can, you know, yeah. On one hand you can sit here and go, these guys are demons. And on the other hand, it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm calling them demons as I, as I reside in the castle that they built. And so um, I understand where you're coming from. And listen, I mean, most of the wars that have been started in the last 100 years were started by us. And yeah. another Smedley Butler, um, this country has been at war with somebody for all but 27 years of, ex- of its existence. Yeah, that's not good. No. And when you go overseas and you hear people say we're the great Satan, um, I, you know, Dick Cheney said, hey, we're going to be. Herald is heralded as liberators when we get there and it didn't turn out quite that way yeah and it's i also you know as i get older i know i'm still young but as i get older i i try to i try to be more realistic and that's kind of what i was just saying about living in the castle i because I, I don't want to be the the war is bad greed is bad no one needs to lock their doors like yeah i'd like the idea too but i mean at the yeah. same time you know fences make good neighbors i i get it and i i also understand it's private market and if a little bit of corruption also means that you know the united if there has to be a hegemon i'd rather it be us we're not perfect but if there has to be a hegemon guarding free trade lines and yeah. i'd rather it be us than china or russia that being said you also have to draw the line somewhere and go, hey, what are we doing trying to rattle things up in Ukraine? What's the end goal here? Mushroom clouds? Mushroom clouds over every horizon. And let me tell you, I don't know if you saw the news today, but, you know, it's not classified anymore, which I guess it was on the news, but they have a high-speed missile that we can't track. Kinzal, K-I-N-Z-A-H-L. I saw that yesterday, that hypersonic alleged Mach 10 uh, warhead that they fired, which is definitely a shot across NATO's bow. It hasn't I don't? Oh, yeah. You're not using yeah, hypersonic in Ukraine, yeah. And the Chinese have one too. Yeah, can't track. Yeah, Dongfeng 14. And by the way, if it, I know it sounds like I'm, I'm cutting you off, I think we have like a little bit of a delay. So this happens when I have a delay with a guest. I, it sounds like I'm constantly cutting you off. So I apologize for that. No, it sounds great to me. I'm not getting a delay. I'm enjoying the conversation. Beautiful, perfect. Yeah, it's um, you know. You look at it and you're like, why wouldn't they fire that shot across the bow? Uh, I mean, I mean, again, I'm as raw, raw as America as you get, and I mean it. And I do think I do believe in American exceptionalism, as do you. You wouldn't have done what you did. But this is the greatest country on the on the on the face of the planet that has ever existed, and I want my grandchildren to experience it. The fact that you and I can sit here and critique it to me is why it's so great. I can sit here and we can talk about Smedley Butler and you and I aren't going to be brought out into our driveways and decapitated by midnight. Exactly. Like you would be in China. Exactly. China. So like, but in China, China, they started it. Beautiful war, beautiful Ukraine, Putin, bad guy. But so, did you notice, I don't want to cut you off. Nah, I don't care. I did you, did you see the Bill Maher episode? Yes. I watched Bill Maher. Yeah. And he brought up the question how come if Putin was such a good buddy of Trump, <laughs> why didn't he invade while Trump was president? <laughs> well, no, you tie your brain into a knot, right? You can't explain it. There's no, there's no rational explanation for it. It's, it's. Uh, he waited until Trump was out so that he could make Biden look bad and do it for. Okay, yeah, sure, all right. Sure. It's so. You know, I talked about this earlier with with Mr. Anthony Sabatini out of Florida. And, uh, you know, I, I brought up COVID and, th- and he actually kind of kept directing it back to saying he was like, no, we, we kind of need to address these endless wars like these yeah. can't keep going. Joe Kent, Green Beret out of uh, Washington State. I've had him on here like five times. He and I always end up going down the rabbit hole about the military industrial. They all know Smedley Butler, too. Um, yeah. But so there's kind of it. it and it's normally, it's almost kind of like a background issue. It's like the military industrial complex is bad. It's like, yeah, yeah but we're dealing with COVID, you know, or yeah, we're dealing with fentanyl. But now you're, you're kind of seeing its head 
start to poke out of the shadows. It's not just a background thing. You're, you know, it's like an asteroid. We all know asteroids are a pose a lethal threat to the, to, to the world, right? But you're dealing with COVID, we're dealing with Ukraine. It's not until you see one pass between us and the moon and it lights up and we go, we go, we go, oh, it's not just an idea. We're, Imagine if Tunguska yeah. happened in Washington, D.C. Yeah, 1908 Tunguska. Yeah, it's, uh, oh, yeah. And I also know in 2029, Apophis is going to be, uh, <laughs> Friday the 13th, 2029, Apophis yeah. is going to pass between us and the moon. Yeah. But what we're kind of seeing is that moment where it goes across the sky and you see it light up and you go, okay, it missed us, but it's real. That's what, that's what this kind of feels like right now. We, us or Eisenhower or Kennedy or Smedley, the military industrial complex is always there in the background. Right now you're starting to see, oh, it's real. It's not just an idea. It's not a, it's not a book written in 1933. It's, you're seeing the, the rattling, the, Russia's doing this. They're using thermobaric uh, warheads. What are they doing next? We don't have a hypersonic missile. How are we going to stop them? Let's go spend fifteen billion dollars to get one. Yeah, did you, I think it was the CEO of like Raytheon or Lockheed, like two days ago, said we have nothing comparable to the Kinzhal hypersonic weapon. We would need to start developing one ASAP. Do you believe Raytheon? Uh, no, we fired the a we fired the HTV two. It's it's one thing to say. You know, that's like, who's the CEO of Pfizer? Albert Allen Berla, who's saying we need another COVID shot. No, well, you know, shit, you're saying that. But I mean, it's one thing for the CEO of a corporation who sells product A to tell you that we need a better product A. Not only that, though, in 2008, I remember in high school reading at lunch about DARPA firing the HTV2, which went Mach 20 in 2008. We just, um, nothing came from that? Deniability is a oh. weird subject. You know, sometimes these... Uh, I don't want to get you thrown... I don't want to get you thrown in... I don't want to get you thrown in the brig. I know you have clearances. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm just saying that there's such a thing as plausible deniability, and sometimes people on the outside, and even sometimes people on the inside, they don't know everything. Sure. But some do. Yeah. I mean... And that, he may have said something. I'm not going to call him a liar to his face. I'm just going to say that there's lots of capabilities around and we are never, ever out of the technological place of being either one or two in whatever discipline you're talking about. Yeah. So if we don't have one, we're awful close. Yeah. I always look back to uh, Skunk Works by Ben Rich, and he talks about the development of the F- F-117, right? It's the first stealth fighter. And when Secretary of Defense Casper Weinberger wanted to use it to go take out Gaddafi, he eventually called it off. And all the generals were like, why are you calling this off? Let's go get Gaddafi. And he was like, send these planes instead. And they're like, there's a chance Gaddafi might get spooked. And they said, that's fine. We would rather not put the F-117 out and risk the Soviets seeing it than we would rather let Gaddafi get away. And he did because we wanted to keep that secret. It's a special access program. We wanted to keep that quiet. There are bigger fish. And the one after the F-111 worked just fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? Qaddafi did get away, but the Soviets didn't know about the F-117 for a while. So I look at that, and then, you know, the B-2 or the B-21 Raider out right now, and I see this kind of... And I'll admit, I, I took it hook, line, and sinker yesterday. I was staying up late. I was scrolling through Twitter. I was like, oh, no, this is, I, I'm 31. I should be out trying to get laid. And instead, I'm sitting here at 1 in the morning. I'm going, if the Russians have the Kinzhal and the Chinese have the, the Dongfeng 14, how are we going to? And eventually, I was like, dude, go to sleep. But then I started thinking back to Skunk Works. And I was like, you know, on one side, you do have to, you know, don't read your own press releases. But on the other side, I'm like, there is plausible deniability. You don't always know about this stuff. And it's for this reason. I just, I don't believe that we don't have hyper. Maybe I'm wrong. I just, I just, but to me, that's, that's the saber rattling coming in. We need to have one. We've got a huge black budget. Yeah. Yeah. Like hundred billion dollars. Bigger than Russia's military budget. Yeah. And realize the Pentagon has never been audited. Yeah. Probably never will. Yeah. If you're trying to keep. If I'm elected, I'm going to try to push. Hey, everybody gets audited. Let's 
let's audit the uh, the Pentagon. Let's audit some of these black budgets where, you know, but congressmen are wandering around there that with no understanding of what the military industrial complex is too truly capable of doing. Yeah. And as you know, I mean, lots of those people are not, don't have the clearances. I mean, sure. they may be cleared for what they do, but deep, the kind of stuff where you can just walk into NSA. Can you imagine AOC walking into uh, NSA and asking pertinent questions? It would take a lot for them to be able to do that. If she walked in there and you guys started showing her some like exaflop, zeta flop computer, and she got to see it and I didn't, I'll <laughs> I'll blow my fucking head off on this podcast. Excuse my French. I, I hear you. <laughs> it's um, she's busy getting rich though. Trust me. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and um. I know my mom's going to watch this episode and she's going to yell at me for, for swearing in, in, in front of you. Mom, for the record, we called last night and uh, we, the F-bombs are flowing freely, so it's accepted. Uh, um, <laughs> I, mean, I was in a bar yesterday after meeting with the Republican women of Baltimore County, wonderful women, and me and my buddy uh, Hollis, our campaign manager, we sat there and had a couple of beers and um, we ran into a retired Army uh, first sergeant and he picked me out of a lineup. I mean, he could see military people know. And uh, next thing you know, we're yelling F-bombs across each other's uh, bow and talking about um, times in Iraq, times with the 10th Mountain. Because I went to Iraq with the 10th Mountain so uh, as an Air Force guy. And uh, we just laughed and had a good old time and yucked it up and bought each other drinks. So I am no stranger to F-bombs. Oh, I know. I know you're not. My mom will watch this and say, why did you say that? I'll be like, mom, you don't not stop it. I'll, I'll, sw- I'll swear in front of the guy I have on here all the time, Dale Comstock, Delta Force. I'll swear in front of Dale. And my mom will be like, watch your language. I'm like, I'm like, mom, Dale, Dale's killed guys with his hands before. Like, he doesn't care. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, D- Dale was in CIA ground branch. That's like a level above Delta. But the point is, is, yeah, you, you do kind of see that. That is the danger because Eisenhower also said, you know, he had that other quote. He's like, ultimately, in the end, every missile fired, every battleship built, every, you know, bomber constructed is in the end. And its truest sense is is robbing the the hungry of food. It's robbing the homeless of shelter. It's robbing right. the naked of clothes, uh, the, yeah, the, the naked of clothes. He was talking about the United States people. You know, he's like a modern yeah. bomber could build a, a brick uh, schoolhouse in, you know, a hundred American cities. And right. that is, and I do think we should have the biggest military in the world. I do think we should have the biggest budget, the biggest black budget. I'm not, I don't, I don't see the world through like, you know, it's rainbows and unicorns. We, it, it's as Mark Bowden said in the, the opening of his book, Black Hawk Down, power still flows from the barrel of a gun in 99% of the world. And America has the biggest guns. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not stupid to that fact. That being said, you also have to go. There, enough is enough. You're right at a certain level. I'm all for it. I'm up yeah. for seven hundred. I'm, I'm not stupid. I don't know if we got to keep pushing it over, especially when we're rattling the cage of something where, I'm like, okay, hey, you go into Iraq, you get some great defense contracts, you get some great money. What are you? No one, there's no money to be made. Let's even just look at it. Let's just look at it as psychopaths. There's no well, money to be made. Supposed to get. I know. But, well, yeah. I, but I'm not. Is an army or a military is only as good as its leader. Yeah. So if you've got Joe Biden up here who's taking a nap at two o'clock to get his, get his blankie and his ice cream, uh, and we're being run by a cabal, to tell you the truth. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the issue of the day is we are busy doing social programs in the United States military. We're doing all this woke stuff and training people about their feelings. Well, let me tell you, um, killing people and breaking things are what we're in the business of doing. And anything that interferes with killing people and breaking things in the United States military weakens combat effectiveness. So all this, I mean, you would be, appalled. We've got, you know, counselors for, you know, I mean, you were just talking about how we use F-bombs. Well, some people are offended. Um, You can't be offended where you're being shot at. You know, 
you uh, when you go down range and you start, you know, realizing that you might go to bed and not wake up, it changes you. It hardens you. And nobody cares about, you know, color, race, all that sort of stuff. All you care about is the person next to you. And can you save them and can they save you? That's what it really boils down to. You and your buddy doing your job. Yeah. Yeah. We are totally focused on the wrong thing. And uh, Mr. Biden and his cronies are wasting our combat power. And a lot of young people who would be thoroughly interested, the target demographic of 18 to 25-year-old young men, they're turned off now. They're not going into the military in the race that they once did. And um, you should see some of the commercials for the Army. And, I, you know, I don't have anything against female soldiers, but uh, we're going the wrong way. We're, going to, we're not ready to fight anybody. I've had... I've had Delta Force Dale address that probably on 10 separate episodes over the last two years. He said all the same things. I mean, Dale, not, Dale's son's a Green Beret Army Ranger. And Dale's like, I, I tell I tell young guys to come up. Dale's about, Dale's 59, I think. He said when young men approach him now, he tells him, he's like, I'm not sure if the military is what you want. And he, and he used to be a, an unpaid uh, recruiter. He would just go talk to Dale. I'd go talk to Dale, and unintentionally, I'd join the military, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we were, all of us are, you know, enthusiastic up until Biden comes in, and, you know, you start seeing, I wouldn't fall that guy to the bathroom. No. I mean, literally, that's why I left the military, left DOD in January. It's like, I can't stomach another one of your debacles. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and the thing is, is we don't exist in a vacuum. So for every man like yourself that says I'm out, that doesn't deter China any less. No. Matter of fact, they are implementing policy to strengthen their boys and putting them Absolutely. Yeah. I know, and I prove it 100%. I'm jealous of them. There you go. The Russians are doing the same thing. And, um, you know, we're going, we're digressing. We're not ready to fight anybody. And, and, you know, all the physical things we do is all here. You know, the issue is this. Are you willing to pull the trigger or not? Are you willing to look at a dead body and keep on and carry out your mission? Can you do that? Are you strong mentally? We're not strong enough to do it from what I've seen. Yeah. We're not ready to fight anybody. And the thing is, with Biden being so weak, now you've got Putin on one side and Mr. whatever his name Xi. is, Xi, whatever is Xi Jinping. on China's side, and the, and the Iranians. They're all ba- they're all ganging up on us at once. God help us. Yeah. And the worst thing is, is like, it's like when you start seeing a team blow a lead, and they're you know they're ahead by whatever fifty points in the fourth quarter. The worst thing is, is like we're still ahead. Like the game doesn't have to be. Excuse me. The game doesn't have to be lost. You just got you call call timeout, and you gotta you know you gotta tear the point guard a new one. You can still yeah. win. An ugly win's a win. Yeah. We don't have to lose. That's the thing is we're in first place. We're slowing down and the people behind us are going faster. There's a large gap though. That's my logic is like, and I think that's why I'm so po- or optimistic about it is like, because we can still win. We can, okay. we can still okay. restructure. We can still, we can still find our balls and, and move forward again until, and then, you know, it, then it'll happen over the next four generations where hard times creates Trump, blah, 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 and we'll be back here. But I think all you can really do is focus on your own lifetime. Um, so we're going through a rough patch right now, and we elected people that don't see America as the great savior. Yeah. And we can do better. And I believe that we can do better. People like you with your podcast, I, I, I like to put myself in the same category. I mean, I'm trying to do what's right for our country. And there's millions of people out there that feel this way. And I think what we're going to have when the 2022 elections come around is a red wave. I think people are pissed off. They don't want to pay these huge gas prices. And more importantly, you know, we've got literally a 500-year supply of oil in this country, in the continental United States. Why are we buying Russian oil at a billion dollars a day? It makes no sense makes no sense at all. We should be, two years ago, we were totally self-sufficient. We were exporting oil under Mr. Trump. But now, um, and, and, and I don't know if you've ever heard of the, uh, the Balkan formation. No. It's a new oil formation. They say it's uh, literally an additional 4.9 trillion cubic feet of oil 
that's, um, you know, and, and natural gas that approximates to 4 billion barrels of oil in uh, like Montana, North Dakota, crossing over into Canada. But, and this is off the USGS survey, you know, US, um, you know, a federal government website that basically talks about such things. But the issue of the day is that we're not taking advantage of that. And there's some other things I want to talk about. You ever heard of thorium? Thorium, yeah, the thorium reactors. Exactly. Safer than uranium, less volatile. Um, we could be energy if we could be totally self-sufficient with our energy. Um, yeah, a lot of people are scared of nuclear, but you know the issue uh, with, with thorium is back 40 years ago when they were trying to decide how they were going to build nuclear nuclear reactors, they wanted to use uranium because they, it was fissionable material and it could be used for bombs. The, the, the radiation and the, uh, the leftovers could be used for bombs, where thorium is not fissionable. Well, let me take that back. It's, uh, it, it's, its refuse can't be used for bombs. So a thorium reactor can only be used for peaceful purposes. And the Chinese are literally developing the, uh, they're the lead in developing thorium reactors right now. They're about to go online with the, the first one. And this is 40-year-old technology developed by the United States of America with your tax dollars, and we're not using it. I mean... In the meantime, don't get me started. You got me started. No, keep going. No, keep going. Okay, so the lithium in the cars, the electric cars, usually comes from war-torn areas in Africa, Afghanistan, people who hate us. How long are we going to be able to drive electric cars when we're building electric cars in the main power plant uh, it has to be powered with lithium that comes from war-torn places. That keeps us at war constantly all the time. And we've got to stop this. Um, there's got to be a better way. And, and I think that, you know, uh, like, for example, another situation, do we have the infrastructure to charge electric cars at a mass, at a mass scale? Like, for example, I was told on the street that I live in, there's 15 houses, if three people bought electric cars, it would break the grid every night. People don't realize that our infrastructure is not powerful enough to handle everyone in the United States having an electric car, but that's pushing it. I have no problem against electric cars. I like Elon Musk. I think he's a great human being. But the issue of the day is that we need to build our infrastructure. That's what Mr. Biden ran on, and he hasn't done any of that. As a matter of fact, for people your age, what happened to um, canceling those school loans? Don't ask anybody that; their head will explode. <laughs> it's it's this it's the, it's the they got they got the old switcheroo. It goes in there, promise you student loan uh, student loan forgiveness, and instead you get World War Three. Classic yeah. switch, classic bait and switch. There you have it. It's um yeah, that's one thing that's always kind of bothered me was you know start under Eisenhower, Adams for peace. Like we know, and that that's not to make light of Three Mile Island or Pripyat, Ukraine or Fukushima. But I mean, you want a, a side effect of vapor and something that, and then they can make nuclear reactors now to where without power, they shut down as opposed to going on a runaway reaction. Yeah, the technology is, is improved. It, you, I mean, it, it doesn't take two brain cells to realize it's because someone doesn't want it or some group doesn't want it. And exactly. I think what we're probably going to see again in my armchair general I think it's probably going to take China rising even further before we get our act together. I really do. I don't see any other way for us to, because even with Russia, there's this sort of idea. It's like, oh, it's, you know, backwards babushka, Russian vodka. I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to take people seeing China build like a fifth and sixth aircraft carrier. It's going to see them developing their hypersonic missiles. It's probably going to need to be some sort of space race 2.0, space force race. I'm not. I'm not sure if we're going to get our shit together until there is an actual competent uh, adversary. And it's terrible to say that, but it's sad. But here's the problem: the problem is us. And and why do I say that? Most people are interested in their TikTok accounts and going on vacation. They don't read the newspaper. They don't read books. I don't want to put down Americans because I love my country. But we need to be a little bit more. Um, cognizant of what's going on by getting our news from the view you know i talk to people all the time and they actually take what Whoopi goldberg says as gospel and uh 
that's a talk show for a bunch of bored women. Yeah. And uh, nothing against bored women, but the issue today is not something that should be taken seriously. Yeah. And uh, people need to read newspapers. People need to read websites. People, people need to listen to your podcast. Educate yourself. Most people don't want to take the time to do that. And, um, you know, we're going to Walmart and you hardly ever see any American-made products. But yet these people are, as you said, over there building work machines and aircraft carriers for the eventual conflict with the United States over Taiwan. And we're not ready to fight anybody. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of uh, ships out there floating around and aircraft carriers. But the issue is we have to take our orders from the president of the United States. And I just think he's weak. I don't think he's in charge and not even in like in conspiratorial sense. I generally, I don't like Joe Biden, but I look at Joe Biden and that reminds me of my late grandmother. And I don't, I'm not trying to be funny. I look at someone, I'm like, there's someone that's losing their memory. They don't know where they are. They shouldn't be in the white house. They should be surrounded by loving family. That's, that's genuinely how I look at him. And here's the other problem. The alternative, if we were to remove him or impeach him, no God. is Kamala Harris. Hey, man. And how did we get into this mess? It, well, I mean, it's a brilliant insurance plan. You know, put in her as your vice. Like it was, um, manufactured. Yeah. It's... He called him a racist to his face while uh, he was, you know, during the election. I mean, during while all those candidates were running. And she was the least popular of all the Democratic candidates. And she ends up as the vice president. Yeah. What luck. Yeah. Me and uh, me and Bernie used to look identical, and then I didn't vote for Biden. And now look at me, I'm a pale white Irish guy. It's uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's crazy, just crazy. I was gonna say, uh, we can do like another ten more minutes. Then let's let's, let's schedule another one. Um, I guess figure we've we've kind of gone and we've run out of time. We're coming up on an hour. an hour. We're coming up on an hour. Welcome, wel- welcome to the hypnosis. Um. <laughs> We got to do this again. Oh, absolutely. Well, no, no, we absolutely will. I'll text you after this. We'll figure it out. I figure we've already gone entirely into Ukraine and military industrial complex. We might as well finish with it. And then we could do another one about more domestic issues pertinent to, uh, pertinent to Maryland, specifically Baltimore. But, um, but so for right now, then is there, is there any positive, and this is, I guess, just me more asking for your opinion, is there any positive outcome from everything that's going on right now? Is it is it NATO tightening up and realizing that the world is not a friendly place? Is it the general, perhaps, rejection of everyone? You know, people are, half the nation's falling into, you know, war fever. The other half is going, well, we just got out of Iraq. We just left. We can't be going back. Is there any is there any positivity around any of this? Or, I mean, is just it's just the bloody clashing of empire. This really has nothing to do with your campaign. This is just me asking you personally. Well, here's what I see. And as I go around talking to people campaigning, I see people ask me the same questions. What can we do? Yeah. Um, I say, there's an old saying, and I've heard Biden repeat this. It matters not who votes. What matters is who counts the votes. So I encourage people to get involved, go be election judges, go be part of the next election. So we can't sit around here and say we got cheated or whatever, because you got cheated because maybe we're suckers. Yeah. Don't be a sucker. Wake up, realize that um, a democracy or our republic requires maintenance. And if we all sit around and watch TikTok and and television and dancing with the stars, we're going to get weak and soft. Yeah. And. Uh, I like my lifestyle. I don't want it to change. There are people, bad people in this world who want to take what we have, and I'm not willing to give it to them without a fight. So the biggest thing, the best thing that's happened is people are starting, regular middle-class people are starting to wake up and realize that this is a finite economy here, and we got a guy in office who doesn't care about the American people. we got to stop him. we got to change the way things are going. we got to get involved, and I'm all for that, and I'll lead the charge. Yeah. No, and I think you're correct. You know, as much as I, with my own eyes and ears, saw the 2020 election stop in the middle of the night, you're right. I can sit here and bitch about it and bitch about how stealing an election is a treasonous offense, but ultimately you have to go, why'd you allow it to happen? 
And that is the reality is you have to put it on your back. You can't blame anyone on anything on anybody else. And you have to go, all right, that sucks. Took one on the chin. It sucks. It sucks to get a black eye. Right. Go out and be a poll watcher. Go out and try to get other people to vote. Go out and try to do something. Keep an, but you're right. There's really, I can sit here and bitch all day long about what happened in 2020. It's not going to change it. There you go. Really? And it's past. And um, now, you know, you see those truckers out there. It's, imag- it's amazing how all this stuff happened in Canada with the truckers. You got all this news attention from MSNBC. And then they come down here to America and they're getting no attention because of Russia. Sounds yeah. kind of yeah. manipulated. Well, no, it sounds, it sounds like Ukraine's a very... Why look at 7.9% inflation? Why look at uh, 23,000 vaccine deaths? Why look at big tech hiding behind Section 230? Why look at 800,000 American deaths that could have been avoided, but we censored the use of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? Why look at any of that when yeah. Putin is Hitler? Right. You know what? Take attention. Yeah. Right. You know, we get what we deserve. That's the reality right. of it. So I agree. It's a cause and effect. Bottom line. It is. Mr. Flowers. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Did I cut you off. What were you about to say? I was going to call you, sir. Oh, don't. And I was going to thank you for having me on. I mean, this podcast went so quickly. I mean, I'm just having fun talking to my buddy. Isn't it fun, man? It's fun it's as awesome. hell. It's fun as hell. We'll do one. Like I said, this, today's the only day I've ever done four podcast episodes. So this was a uh, this was a, a beta test. This was some R&D to see if I could do a fourth, and I think I could. We'll definitely schedule another one earlier in the day sometime, and we actually go at it for an hour or two. Um, let's, uh, yeah, we can maybe work out next time if we want to address on more domestic topics or, or whatever the hell you want. I don't know. You're the wrong run of the campaign, not me. So I enjoy talking about current events, and I enjoy about I enjoy trying to do something about bad things that I know that are happening. And, you know, at my age, it's a matter of, hey, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And so, as I said before, I left my federal position because I realized that we were going in the wrong direction. I think I, I know a lot about the federal government and how it works on the internal level. And I think I can make a difference in the second district of Maryland. And the guy who's there has been there 20 years. And they call him out of touch Dutch. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. And, you know, you don't, you don't need to take on the whole country. You got to play your position. You got to affect your immediate surroundings. That's all you can do. Just put your mind on that. I think the rest will follow. And, uh, so Mr. Flowers, I'll put in your, uh, put all the links to your, to your website campaign, all the good stuff in the description. Everybody listening, go check them out. I'll text you after this. I got to edit some podcasts. So if I don't text you right away, uh, text me. And so I don't forget, and we'll set up another one. And, um, you're a cool guy to talk to, man. Love to shoot the shit again. Thanks, Tim. Bernie, thank you so much. God bless. God bless America. Stay safe, everybody. Bernie, until next time, man. Peace.